Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey friends, uh, welcome to the Tens and Bagels podcast. I am Andre and this is actually the first time we've been literally requested to do something in this podcast, which is something that actually makes me really happy. And funny enough, I've literally talked to uh, Owen and Vansh about a preview um, episode of the finals right before I saw uh, like a tweet uh, by I think Sidant was asking us to do a preview of the uh, the finals. I'm not sure if he was asking us, but I... I'm going to use this as an opportunity to say that, well, it was us, I guess. Uh, so um, how are you guys doing, Vansh and Owen? Yeah, great. Um, excited for this uh, preview and honored that actually uh, somebody from Twitter and a good friend of ours actually uh, asked us to do a preview. That means uh, people are you know, listening to this and they're, they're excited to hear what we have <laughs> to say. It makes us feel like our opinions count, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so Sedant, yeah, you're... You're you're a top guy. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- thanks. We appreciate it. I'm I'm excited to be here as well. It's been a great fortnight of tennis already, and I could not be more excited for the finals. So, really, yeah. really, really looking forward to getting into this. Yeah, and honestly, it's it's definitely a dream uh, lineup for both both finals. Uh, we got Osaka Brady, who had like probably the match of the year of 2020 in the U.S. Open semifinals, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then we have uh, the much anticipated Medvedev Djokovic final and the Australian Open both guys are well Djokovic you don't even need a uh, an introduction and Medvedev has been on like a what 20 match winning streak so far um, correct yeah starting from uh, Paris last mm-hmm. year uh and uh it, we just couldn't ask for for more so that's one of the reasons why I really felt like I wanted to do this episode because it's, it's just something that I want to talk about and uh yeah why not do it in a podcast right so um how about we, we start with the um with the, the women's final, um, Brady Osaka, Brady currently rank, ranked outside of the top 20. Uh, Osaka, I believe, number three in the Correct. world and current U.S. Open champion. Um, and uh, she's she's definitely one of the hottest player, players on tour right now. It's like one of the best uh, players uh, of her generation. Um, really... Um, exciting to watch her, and she she she's a great promise in the WTA tour. Honestly, has been already number one and going for. She's already won the Australian Open once. Am I right? Yep, twenty nineteen. Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, going for 20, oh yeah, twenty nineteen. For whatever reason, I think it's just because of the pandemic. I felt like twenty nineteen was last year, but yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, what do you guys think about that final? I'm I'm personally uh, super super excited to talk about Osaka just because I think uh, she's on to something really special. I think she's 
going to be able to separate herself from the rest of the WTA players. And we're already currently seeing that, um, especially on hard courts, I think she is the best player um, at the moment and probably the hottest player on the tour um, if we just look at hard, hard court results. Um, and you look at you know what she's done basically this tournament. I mean, this tournament she's played basically flawless tennis um, when her back is against the wall. And that to me is a big sign of a champion. You mentioned the match uh, that they played uh, last year at the US Open, the match of the year, uh, Jennifer Brady and uh, Naomi Osaka, which was, uh, we can get on to talk about um, Brady later, but um, definitely if it's anything, if this final is maybe 70% of that, um, I think we're in for a treat just because of the ball striking and the uh, physicality that both players have on the court and the way Brady has transformed her career. It just makes up for a really um, exciting, albeit a little bit predictable final, I would say, because I think uh, Osaka has to go in as the favorite, the way she's looked. Uh, particularly what impressed me most um, in, in this tournament is just her composure and her confidence in those big uh, match situations. We can start with the Muguruza uh, match, which was the first kind of match uh, of that really awesome day of tennis that where we saw like basically three matches, like Sviantek, Halep, Sabalinkas, Williams, and uh, uh, Muguruza Osaka that could be Grand Slam finals. And in that match, um, she was down two match points in the third set. 3-5, 15-40, serving to stay alive. And from then on, she wins the next four games and 22 points were played. 22 points she won after that, uh, saving those match points. And she didn't make a single unforced error. She just raised her game, raised her level. Um, you know, Muguruza got a little tight, but it, it was just it was just so impressive to just see that. In a, you know, just see that she can play her best tennis and just turn it on like that. Uh, when her back is back is against the wall, and then from then on, she's playing, you know, relatively free. And here she is in the semifinals, playing her idol in Serena Williams, um, and is starts off really, really poorly in that match, and just you know goes down a break, and you know so much, so much is being hyped about this match, so much is at stake. And here she is in the third set, plays the I mean, second set, uh, up a set and a break, and plays the worst game she's played all match on her serve, double faults three times, and next thing you know, she wins the next. Um, eight points to close out the match and hits three spectacular backhand winners. And mm-hmm. Serena Williams is just completely left uh, in shock and tears, really, in her press conference. And so it's, there's just so much to, uh, to I, I guess, admire both on and off the court about the way Naomi is really taking the whole tennis world by storm, the way she's playing. And it's just, for me, she's a big favorite in that uh, matchup against against Brady. And yeah, I know Owen uh, watched uh, pretty much the entire uh, semifinal, so he can add a little more too yeah i'm i'm really excited for this final both both these women are fantastic ball strikers they hit the ball so cleanly but i i do think we have to start with osaka she she's had a spectacular tournament she's capable of sort of routing other players but also her mentality in the big moments is really admirable she fights so well as we saw against muguruza and in terms of how their games match up these two have played twice before (laughs) osaka leads 2-0 and something I noticed in the stats is that Osaka has a big edge in the serve return battle when they played at the U.S. Open. It was quite a close match, but Brady only saw two break points the entire match, converted one of them. And I think Osaka was three for four, maybe, or two for four. But uh, definitely keep an eye on, can Brady make an impact on the Osaka serve, which is so hard to impact. Yeah. And Brady has been very opportunistic uh this australian open she's been making the most of her break chances but she hasn't had a lot of them in some of the matches so if osaka can do a good job defending her serve i think uh that's a huge edge to her 
I, I think she definitely has to be the favorite. She is developing a really, really incredible career on hardcourt's legendary status. She's trying to win a second straight hardcourt major for the second time in her career. She won the 2018 US Open, 2019 Australian back-to-back. She has the experience of being in big matches. So while, while Brady is a terrific player, her forehand is massively powerful. I think Osaka has to be the favorite here. So I, I'm really looking forward to the match, but I think Osaka takes it to... Two tight sets. Yeah, I have a question for both yeah, of you, actually, yeah. in, in that regard, because um, you mentioned she's a favorite. And something that struck me is that uh, in her last three Grand Slam finals, she hasn't, she's gone in as a favorite, but I would say not as big of a, as a favorite as she is this time around. I think people are really, really mm-hmm. expecting her to come through. And so, you know, because you look at the 2018 US Open, she was playing Serena. And, you know, Serena is Serena, so there's, a, there's you know, you know, uh, not not as big. She was her first Grand Slam exactly. too, right? So yeah. you cannot really yeah. be a favorite. And then against Kvitova, you know, backing that result up, and Kvitova was playing a really great tournament, and you can never count mm-hmm. her off because she had a really good record in Slam finals up to that point. And then, you know, even even last year, I mean, Azarenka she beat Williams and was playing well, and even even won the first yeah. set. Azarenka so, was up a set and a break in that yeah, match. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm curious, yeah. like, how much is do you think do you think Osaka is just ready? Her tennis is just too good that it won't play as big of a factor and you know she'll just come through or do you think you know she might be feeling the pressure or getting a little nervous what, what do you guys think i mean yeah, she she you can you could see that she felt the pressure against serena williams in this in the end of the second set when she dropped that that game mm-hmm. it, it was she she definitely showed that like her human side in a way like a dropped her server like playing pretty badly i think she she gave out the game with a double three fault. double faults yeah, um, in that game yeah, yeah. So, so, so yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty, pretty bad. So that definitely shows um, nerves. Uh, but I, I think she's, she's grown quite confident of her abilities um, since last year as well. I think in the, in it to last year's U.S. Open was probably like very telling of like how this could go. For one, because um, she had to overcome a red hot uh, Jennifer Brady, uh, who could have won the match. I, I mean. Should have should Osaka had dropped uh, her level, she was in risk of probably potentially losing that match. Honestly, um, and uh, against Azarenka, I think she she was definitely the clear favorite in that match as well. Yeah. Even though Azarenka was uh, is is a veteran, uh, former world number one, two time Grand Slam champion, um, had just beaten Serena Williams in probably the match of her life against her. Um, but I think Osaka was just. Uh, um, a little bit fresher, uh, in a sense. Uh, Azarenka was just kind of coming back uh, in her career, and no, nobody even expected that she would make the the final. Really, even though she did pretty well in, in Cincinnati, she didn't actually mm-hmm. end up, end up playing um, Osaka in that final. Yeah. But right now, uh, in in this particular tournament, I think she comes in as even more of the favorite because of um, the way she played last year, the way she's been she's been playing. Um, this year and in this tournament and Brady just um, her second um, you know deep run in a in a Grand Slam tournament she she was incredibly tense against uh, Mukova especially um, that last game (laughs) for uh, yeah yeah yeah. oh my gosh the last game was just way too intense Um, I couldn't even handle it (laughs) and if um, some of the shots that uh, that what were on break points and Mukova has missed a couple backhands in yeah. that in those rallies and returns. I don't think Osaka would just give away those points, you know. So if Brady mm-hmm. can't keep her act together in the and like keep her um keep her cool and actually be able to serve out like sets and, and, and tough games, I, 
I think that uh, Osaka definitely won't just give that away. And if if and if Osaka has a, a couple of dips in the match, probably like one or two games, I still think that that Brady is just going to have more of those, mm-hmm. uh, especially if she she comes in to serve like say for for the first set. It's huge. It's, yeah. Uh, the first set of a, of a final of a Grand Slam, which would be her first. Um, yeah. It, it would just maybe a little bit too much to handle, and I think Osaka would just have um, a lot more um, experience to show yeah. um, in, in that regard. So I feel like, not even game-wise, but I feel like mentally-wise, uh, Osaka is far readier to, to win this For match. Sure. So I feel like this is this is where this match is going to be decided, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think while coming in as maybe a really heavy favorite in a major final might be a slightly new look for her. I think that she's experienced enough that it's not going to matter. She has her lapses, but she's proven time and again that she she will rebound from them. So I agree with Andre in that Brady's margin for error is a lot smaller. She needs to take her chances. Osaka can afford to miss a few chances, and she could still win the match. Yeah. So overall, I think while this is a new situation for her, she's she's been here several times before. She's never lost a major final. She's never lost a major quarter or semi for that matter so mm-hmm. she's she's pretty peerless in big matches uh the last few years so um so yeah th- this this is a slightly new situation for her as the really heavy favorite all expectations are that she'll win but it should not matter i don't think her game is ready her mind is ready i yeah i i see her winning this match i i, I completely agree I, I share exactly the same thing as you both i just wanted to throw that question out there but it's, uh, you know, I completely Yeah, agree, it's a good question. Because... We remember team got tight against Zverev yeah. because he, he had played Djokovic yeah, yeah. and Nadal and oh. then comes in and oh, is the favorite, plays tight. two of the worst sets of his life. So it's, yeah, there there might be something I, I to that. I think Osaka is definitely and ready pro- to, you know, and, it, yeah. and the experience gap mm-hmm. is there, you know. Like, you know, team had made slam finals, but he was coming up uh, underdogs in all three of those. And, you know, and, yeah. you know, Osaka's actually come through and done it three times. And like you said, her record and... You know the way the way she's just mm-hmm. dismissed really good opponents, and you know the fact that Brady has to play, you know, just cannot afford any dips, and you know Osaka even with a couple mm-hmm. of dips, it, she will just manage it because of her because of the experience that she has and the the amount that she's grown in the last two years, and especially just her form right now, twenty matches in a row. I mean, yeah, I mean you got to feel yeah. like you're unstoppable, right? And so I think think um, mm. I, I just think it's a big mountain for Brady to climb. So I, I predict yeah. something like, I think it'll be yeah. a respectable match. I think it'll be a close. I think mm-hmm. it'll be, uh, you know, we'll see some good shot making. Um, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Brady handles the, you know, the occasion of her first slam final and in front of a crowd mm-hmm. as well, because at the U S open, she played, um, yeah. and there was no crowd. And I think, uh, you know, she's more of a, more of a low key person. Like she definitely, I don't think having the crowd really hurts her, but she's, you know, definitely she's not used to, playing such a big match you know what i mean in that Mm -hmm. kind of atmosphere so uh it'll it'll be interesting but i do expect uh, osaka to come through in straight sets actually um and i i I think Mm -hmm. it'll it'll be respectable but uh straightforward Mm -hmm. and i I think it'll be i I think i tweeted like a prediction already so i said something like seven Mm -hmm. five six three for osaka that's kind of how i see it going for i mean uh there's two things that i want to say only about brady's that one it's not like Mukova was like a pushover. She was mentally extremely strong in that yeah. match. She mm-hmm. was showing a little bit of fatigue as well at the end. Um, and Brady did incredibly well. Honestly, I think there were four break points that she had to save. And I, I thought she was going to double fault in one of those. Mm-hmm. And she didn't. Mm-hmm. So major props for her, obviously, for, for keeping her head together in that thing. But uh, um, And we could be surprised, honestly, in this match. I, I 
I think uh, the other thing that I wanted to say was that um, it's not because uh, Osaka is the heavy favorite that she's leaning onto that and saying this is this is a match that is it's already won. I think she's she's definitely very much aware of the tennis that Brady is capable of playing. Oh, yeah. So she will enter that match, and I think she's gonna be really really prepared to um, you know be in a battle if if it needs to be you know what i mean she's she's not about to be surprised about brady's level that's mm-hmm. kind of like the thing it, she's not just thinking that oh well, i'm probably gonna win this match like in, in straight sets like this is already in the bag i don't think she's thinking no, that way no at way. all because um yeah. she rates brady but, so uh, highly i but, listened but, to her yeah. press conference and she said it was one of the top three most wins that like the top three best wins oh, in yeah. her career that's how highly mm-hmm. she rates yeah. brady so, so yeah it's so yeah so i i do think we can be surprised but i feel like osaka can handle that incredibly will is going to handle that incredibly well yeah. i think we're about to see one of her best um probably mental performances not that we have seen her like weekly uh mentally on on uh weak mentally on uh, on court but i think mm-hmm. uh the final is going to be um a massive um statement for this year at least uh for for osaka i'm not entirely yeah. sure that i want to get into the debate of whether she can win 20 grand slams yet but uh-huh. <laughs> yeah no it, it's yeah it's maybe start with longevity. um can she can she tra- translate her hardcore prowess onto the clay and grass yeah, yeah for yeah. sure yeah yeah for sure and um you know brady just a quick word on her i mean she, the way she's just turned around her career you know midway especially these last two 18 months or so is really impressive you know because she was always mm-hmm. kind of in that 40 to 80 range in the rankings, you know, before 2020. And, you know, you noticed early in the year, last year, she had some big wins, like, not in the slams, but, like, outside of the slams. And she was beating good quality opponents. But then, and then the hiatus came, and then she moved to Germany. She got a new coach. She started working on her fitness. She's extremely fit, you know, which wasn't the case before. Um, and, uh, you know, she's come out of the pandemic, like, really firing on hard courts like winning her first title in lexington and then this run at the u.s open and you almost feel like her game should translate well to the clay brady because she has that you know high margin topspin forehand that she can hit it almost reminds you of like a clay court like uh, like a barcelona clay corner the way she can hit that ball with so much ferocity and spin but also power at the same time and it it has such a it kicks up so high like for her opponents to deal with and you know she has a solid foundation moves really well and it's just you know it's it's a very solid i would say top 10 level game especially on hard courts so um mm-hmm. you know i guess just major props to her and hopefully we get to see a really good final yeah 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 the, the last thing i'll add is that she's she's confirmed that she is here to stay for a while at the top of the game she's backed up her u.s open run to the semifinals mm-hmm. even if she loses to osaka She's achieved her career best result at a major. She's made the final. And who knows? She may win and could establish herself at the very highest level. So I think either way, this tournament is a success for her, and she's not done yet. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how she handles the occasion. Yeah, yeah me too. And uh, I, when she said 7 5 6 3, um, or when you said two tight sets, like. Uh, would, I'll what, say what would... 7 5 6 4. Six, four Basically the same thing, okay. but. All right, so uh, because I'm a big fan of uh, longer matches and I want people to have a, a little bit of um, more time of fun on the stadium, um, uh-huh. I will say it in the three sets. And I'm going to go for um, Brady comes back in the second, something like 6-4, um, 
for six, um, seven, five in the end for Osaka. Mm. I feel that like I, I'm not good. feeling like it. I'm just. Watch. It's mostly. It's more, mostly yeah, I feel like that that would be probably my my hope more than my prediction <laughs> that it's going to mm -hmm. be that tight of a match. I will so, give yeah. you a stat that backs up that hope. So, um, you know, this, the four slams. I I wanted to look at kind of the the finals only. And I, so I looked at, I wanted to see like, you know, I didn't want to go too far back, but I went, I went actually pretty far. I went from 1997 Australian <laughs> Open till now <laughs> to oh, look at, crap. to look at like, just, I wanted to see how many of the finals were two sets and how many of them were three sets. So that's 24 mm -hmm. Australian Opens up until this point. And I saw that 11 out of 24 were three setters, which is more than any of the other slams because, you know, in past years, like last year we had moved with a cannon we had, you know, mm -hmm. Halep was Niaki. That was a really good match. So We've uh, had some really good, uh, like... Yeah. Osaka Kvitova yeah, was Osaka great, Kvitova, yeah. so, like, many years in a row, we've had three setters, and, I mean, I guess 11 out of 24, that's not even 50%, so it just shows you, like, you know, most of these finals sometimes, like, sometimes it's not the match of the tournament. Like, maybe the matches of the tournament come in the semis or the quarters, uh, but it's... But Australian Open, out of the four, you're most likely to see a, a final. Historically, at least. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That'll be three sets, that's, so... That's great, yeah. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot wait for the day when I'm gonna ask Vansh to go far in his analysis, and he's gonna yeah. come up. Hey, like in 1920s, this yeah. is what the results. Oh gosh! <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the tournament was established, and in the very first yeah. edition, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I will say the prize money was just peanuts. I will, I will, I will yeah. say no humble brag here, but I will I will, I, I will like to say that uh, it's been a real joy. One of the joys of the pandemic was to go back and watch some old tennis, and so I've managed mm. to watch <laughs> every single. Grand Slam WTA final since the 1987 Australian Open. So I've watched. This would be my 136th final to watch. I mean, when I say watch, that, I mean like I mean, I mean like just highlights or like just looking back on whatever I could yeah. find on YouTube. Um, like if the mm. highlights were just really crap, I would just watch like a a good like a uh, a full match, but one that was like you know less than an hour because it takes time. But <laughs> but mm -hmm. essentially, I got a good feel for what every final was like. I'd say from 1987. Nice, uh, that's awesome. You, you are going to be the next Steve Flink for sure. You know so much. Um, yeah. Should we should we move on to uh, Djokovic Medvedev? Definitely, yeah. Let's go for yeah, it. Yeah. Now, uh, so um, now that we've uh, done with our predictions and our um, you know pre-analysis of the, the what the match could look like for the women's, uh, we're going to move on to um, the as I said already a very a highly highly anticipated match. I think um, Owen was probably the only one who called it um, the, the the final Medvedev Djokovic. I, I, I had team making the, the final actually. Team making the final. I had I had team uh, in Medvedev. I, I also but, had um, Djokovic Medvedev. I felt like that was the best. That was the most likely outcome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, congratulations, uh, Vanshi. You uh, you called the the two finalists pro uh, right. And um, who did you call for the semifinals again? You're completely wrong, right? Yeah, nobody was right about Kratsev. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody picked Kratsev. I had um, Medvedev Nadal in yeah. the semis. Um, and yeah, then, me too. Yeah, big surprise. Djokovic. Uh, I had team also getting to for, the semis, but yeah, that didn't mm -hmm. work out. Yeah. So yeah, big surprises in uh, Tsitsipas uh, making the semifinals, beating Nadal and. Um, team losing pretty badly against Grigor Dimitrov. Uh, yeah. I think there was some sort of injury involved. Yeah. But uh, now we're going to be talking about the the final, right? Yes. And um, I actually want to throw this before I go to you, Vansha. I want to go for for um, for Owen first because you have a pick that Medvedev is going to win his first Grand Slam title. I, I, I do. Hear I, I've a bit been more about that. I, I've been constantly talking about this. Yes. Yeah. So I think going into the tournament. I thought his winning streak at uh, Paris in the ATP Finals 
um, was going to mean he was going to be hugely confident going into the tournament. This was even before the ATP Cup. He had beaten um, Djokovic, Nadal, and team in pretty quick succession. Um, and so I thought... So I started to think that he matched up pretty well against all of them. I had thought he matched up well with Djokovic for a while, since they're... Um, since they played at the Australian Open in 2019, actually. I thought, like, Medvedev can hurt this guy. And then after that, he won three out of their next four Correct. matches, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. And uh, he beat Nadal for the first time. He actually did it fairly convincingly in the end, even though Nadal served for the match. He tired Rafa out. And then even though team beat him in straights at the U.S. Open, he ended up getting the better of team as well. So I was thinking, when this guy is on, he can beat anyone. And from the start of the Australian Open, he's been on. He... Uh, Krajanovic gave him a bit of a scare and took him to five sets, but he has been drilling everyone. He completely uh, tired out Rublev. He crushed Stefanos Tsitsipas, who had just beaten Nadal. And uh, and yeah, so I think I think physically he has the edge over Djokovic. And so I think if this is an attritional battle, uh, the, the edge goes to Medvedev. Yeah, I, I, I... especially since uh, if Djokovic shows signs of his injury coming back, then he's in, in yeah. real trouble. I, I, I think if Djokovic is compromised in any way, he is a pretty severe underdog, actually. Yeah, it's pretty hard to argue with any of that because you look at these streaks and you just think like 20 match wins in a row. I mean, 12 of them against top 10 players. And okay, there weren't yeah. a lot of them weren't in best of five. But then you, you know, you look at how he was able to tire out Andre Rublev in the quarters and how he essentially took apart Stefano Tsitsipas, who, yes, was coming off that four and a half, four, four and a half, something like that hour match against uh, Nadal, yeah. two sets to love down. Um, and you know Nadal honestly probably shouldn't put that match away because he missed a lot of uh, mm -hmm. over he missed two overheads and made five on four errors in a third set tiebreak, which then yeah. allowed uh, Stefano some to get the belief and the uh, you know was eventually able to physically wear Rafa down. But then you know coming into this match, it just showed how hard it was to have that spring back, and you could see Medvedev just really exploiting the weaknesses of Tsitsipas, which were more pronounced in this match than they were against Nadal, which is that backhand return and the ability mm -hmm. to generate pace off the backhand and just hang with um, Medvedev from the back of the court. And he just, uh, you know, just didn't know what to do on the backhand. He was completely confused on, on the return and on the, um, you know, even during the rally. And Medvedev, that was a masterclass from him for basically two and a half sets, you know, from everything from yeah. serving to re mm -hmm. excellent returning to, uh, you know, winning these points, like with these incredible passing shots and, you know, incredible, um, you know, even, even offense as well. He was dictating from his forehand. He was, you know, mm -hmm. everything that you would, that makes Medvedev so good on a low bouncing fast hard court. We saw that in full effect. And you could really see that, um, you know, he's not going to be intimidated at all by the prospect of facing the eight time champion and somebody who's won three of the last four against. My only mm -hmm. thing is that it's very easy to get swept up in all of it and it's it's honestly such a close call for the final because i really feel like it, it really is you know it's one that that i keep going back and forth within, within my mind and i just keep struggling to think well how can i bet against Djokovic? how can i bet against 17 and 0 and slam yeah. in australian open semis i mean this is basically the closest thing to what nadal has at the french open is what Djokovic has at in australia he wins 90 percent of his matches here and so it's just like you know, yeah. how can you bet against that degree of historical evidence and, and greatness? And, you know, even last year against Dominic Team, you know, you he, he looked down and out two sets to one and he was struggling to gather his energy, but he just manages these ebbs and flows so well. And I just think, you know, for Medvedev, he was able to find a weakness in Tsitsipas' game and exploit it. And his mm -hmm. general skill set and 
the uh, things that he can, the assets that he has offensively and defensively are so pronounced that he'll be able to win matches. He'll be able to be comfortable in that matchup in a way that he just, like against Djokovic, what is the weakness, you know? So it's going to come down to these mm-hmm. long, grueling physical rallies. And if it does come down to that, it comes down to the physical wire. And I don't think the injury per se will be a factor for Novak because I think he's brushed that off after he beat Karatsev uh, handedly. And it looked like yeah. he was moving a lot better than honestly he was when he was taken to four sets and five sets by Fritz and Raonic and, you know, even times in the Zverev match. But what's really helping Djokovic out is his serve plus one and his serving. And he's hit over 100 aces this tournament. And he's really, yeah. really stepped it up on that serve. I mean, like big, not just uh, break points, but 30 all points, like 15, 40 points. He's really coming up with clutch serving. Uh, when he needs it. I mean, mm-hmm. Owen was mentioning on Twitter that his serve is pretty much at Roger Federer level. I mean, it, it really is. The way he's spot serving, the way he's, uh, you know, the his the targets he's finding under pressure, it's just, and he's backing that up with, you know, aggressive serve plus one play. And, and I think against Medvedev, he's going to have to do that a lot more because it's going to be tough to outlast this yeah, guy from absolutely. the baseline. You know, I mean, how do you, he, yeah. the guy is basically a brick wall. And right now, if you ask me who has the physical advantage, Given that, I mean, yeah, I mean, Djokovic had two days off and Medvedev only has one. So I guess that, but that match against Tsitsipas wasn't physical at all. I mean, it was, he expended very less mm-hmm. energy. And so yeah. you just feel like, and he's 25 and he's in the prime. So it's the. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Like, uh, you know, and, and then, but then I'm, I'm so conflicted because it's like, okay, the longer the match goes, you might, and the physical, the points get, individual points get, it might favor Djokovic, but then they're both playing such quick points as well. So I just wonder, like, if they might mm-hmm. have drop-offs. Like, they might have, we might not get to see their best level, I guess, sustained for five sets. Maybe I'm just, I'm starting yeah. to think it might. It's 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 interesting because uh, when when I when I think of Djokovic, especially in this tournament and back when uh, he won um, in 2011, not even in, in, in 2012. Right. Mm-hmm. One one of the things that marked me when I saw Djokovic playing was the level of aggression he was capable of producing. Yeah, and sustaining and it. I think this too. is what he. Yeah, and he he's going to need to 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 pull it off, and it's very encouraging signs when he's he's doing one two um, uh, two shots and on serve and like hitting big serves, yeah. and even against Fritz, like if he wasn't for for his good serving, oh, yeah, he was toast. He, he he could have he he was he would definitely yeah. lose that match because yeah. Fritz was definitely looking the the better player in the beginning of the fifth for set. Sure. And obviously, completely lost his uh, his his concentration, and and then the match, and Djokovic just started playing much better. Probably got some adrenaline running into mm-hmm. his body, and he he just kind of felt that it's now and ever uh, for 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 that for that match. And when it comes to to Medvedev, um, I'm not entirely sure how much does um, the ATP Finals uh, mean in terms of the Australian Open, if, even if. Uh, 
Djokovic. I think Djokovic of all of all the guys would probably be the first one to say no that the Grand Slams are actually more important for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I, I feel like um, even 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 if it's not even a, a like a conscious effort to play better at slams, I feel like he has a a deep um, subconscious desire of like peaking at that level and in those yeah. tournaments. And I feel like this is one of the things that makes it so that we cannot we can never just rule them out based on streaks or anything like that we just mm-hmm. have to look at them and be like well he definitely did make his name uh, great in the, in the in the last decade so uh winning a crap ton of grand slams like yeah. so uh, 16 eh? it's like his 18th yeah Actually, i mean by, by the way we're talking, 20, 20, yeah, 16 slams, we're talking yeah. about just streaks i mean this is one streak that Medvedev has right i mean 12 top 10 wins you look yeah, at yeah. Djokovic yeah. and Federer. I mean, they they probably have this time seven, like that. The, and and, yeah. and that's not even cutting this. That's just scratching the surface. And this is yeah. this is his. Yeah, that's, that's your job to find those streaks, man. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I, I looked at the <laughs> streaks, kidding. and it's like Federer has won twenty four yeah. top ten wins. Like that's his streak, yeah. and then Djokovic has seventeen. But then wow. you look at Djokovic seventeen. He's done twelve, thirteen, fourteen, like eleven, like five times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like this, this is it's, nothing. It's, like it's it's a lot of consistency. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 I I think. Um, yeah, I think so. Something that's rightfully coming up a lot is that Djokovic is eight and zero in Australian Open finals. He always peaks here, yeah. but I think I think what's different about this year is this is the first time in an Australian Open final where mm-hmm. I think the other player's game might be too much for Djokovic. I'm not saying it will be. I'm saying it might be. In 2012, there were doubts that he would win. But that wasn't because of Nadal. We knew at that point in his career, if he played his best, he was going to beat Correct. Rafa. We were, yeah. we were concerned because of his marathon semifinal. But here I think I'm concerned for his chances because because Medvedev might just be too much for him. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's great that Djokovic is 8-0 in Australian Open Finals for him. But I think we have to consider how is Djokovic going to beat him. Mm-hmm. He needs to serve well. Mm-hmm. He needs to return yeah. well. The last time they played ATP Finals, Djokovic got to break point once in the entire match. He didn't take it. Correct. The, the time they played before that, ATP Cup, Djokovic breadsticked Medvedev in the first set, and Medvedev still almost ran him down after that. Won the second set 7-5, third set was super close. So I think Djokovic is going to need to engage in some long rallies, but he's also going to need to really focus on the surf plus one coming to net, cutting rallies oh, yeah. short with For drop sure. shots. And, and so I think... If Medvedev plays his best, this this could be maybe the toughest test Djokovic has had in a, in an Australian Open final. I hesitate to say that because 2012 was as close as it gets. But I think it's yeah. a real possibility here that Medvedev could just overrun Djokovic based on how yeah. they've been going. He He's fresh. He he serves well. Um, so if Djokovic has an off day on the return, I think he could get a lot of easy holds. He's going to feel comfortable in the long rallies. He can come to net if he needs to. Um, he's going to be confident. He beat Djokovic the last time they played. He's on this winning streak, even though this is in Djokovic's backyard. So I think, yeah, um, yeah, I, 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 it's going to be really, really difficult for Djokovic to the point yeah. that, like, I, I feel comfortable saying I think Medvedev will be. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. it's, I think it's so. Yeah. I was yeah. just gonna say that the, I feel like the key for for Djokovic to win is, is definitely that that one two combo serve and forehand or backhand. And I'm not entirely sure if I can trust uh, the, the the running and uh, marathon man abilities that Djokovic has because I think Medvedev is more than capable of matching that. But I feel like this is exactly the opposite right now. I feel like if um, if Djokovic's game serving and one plus one are working well, I think Medvedev is the one who's, who might suffer. And I feel like if Medvedev 
is able to prolong this match, make make it, make this match very, very physical. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is where the key lies for Medvedev. And I don't necessarily know, like, it's it's really hard to pick up, like, a an opening or, a, like, a really, like, the, the actual key to winning this yeah. match. Because it feels like mm-hmm. it's it really will come down to a couple points, I, honestly. I, I, yeah. I completely agree. Th- th- there's no margin for error for either guy. The margin for error is just so slim for both of them. And Owen is right when he looks at, like, the eight Australian Opens and he says, like, this is legitimately the first time you could actually go into the final and think like, man, he might not actually be a favorite just based on, based on the way it's based on the way the, um, the matchup has gone in the past and also just based on current form. But then, uh, you know, just throwing current form out the window for a second, some, something that Djokovic can do the way he can win, I guess you could, you could say, yeah, mm-hmm. the surf plus one, the, um, you know, mixing and mixing his game, but you know, what does that really mean? So I look back and I watch their first set of the ATP Cup, which wasn't a great, which wasn't the highest quality set at all in that match. The match really mm-hmm. caught fire second and third set, which was some of the best tennis you'll ever see. But really the the first set, I mean, how did he make Medvedev uncomfortable is he made him come to the net on his own terms, you know? So he right. was throwing in, he was playing like Federer, like the first set, you know, of that match. He was throwing in these short slices. He was hitting these drop shots that, you know, because Medvedev was way far back on the return. He was hitting... He was coming up with big serving. He was basically playing quick points. He was dominating all the quick rallies, and because he didn't, he didn't want to get mm-hmm. involved with Medvedev from the back, you know, because it, you just feel like from the yeah. from the back he's such a wall. Like, how are you going to hit through him? And so I just feel like so. For instance, um, I saw this tweet by Greg Rosetsky, who is a mm-hmm. 1997 U.S. Open finalist, and he had a big uh, lefty game, and he was known for his serving and volleying, and uh, you know, just just dominated with that with that play but basically he said that it's impossible to get through Medvedev you have to come to the net on your terms because he's allergic to coming forward and I said and then he said you have to serve well and you have to attack the net at the right moment and that's exactly what Djokovic did in that first set of the ATP Cup match now the thing mm-hmm. is that Medvedev is so tactically aware and uh, tac- and smart that I think he'll catch on to that and he'll adjust like he did in the second and third set and he'll be expecting that and he'll come forward himself and and I told Greg like I'm like I agree with you Greg but, and I feel like you bring up a good point but is he really allergic to the net? I mean, like if you look at his net percentage and points won, and when mm-hmm. he does come in, look at how he turned around that match against Nadal, two sets to love down in a break at the U.S. Open final. Yeah. He did that by serving and volleying, and you know by coming forward. And he knew the match was had to be won at the net, right? And that's what he did mm-hmm. in it, team at the at, World, at the Tour, World Tour, Tour finals. I mean, he came to the net thirty-seven times, so he can just surprise you all of a sudden. And and the thing is, and and then the thing is that Greg was talking about is that he isn't comfortable coming up there on his own terms he'll do it if he has to to change the momentum of the match and as a tactic but he won't necessarily do it because like to make life easier on himself you know what i mean in a way that like djokovic Mm -hmm. has developed that part of his game a lot if you just look at his volleys technically they're much better than they were you know you know back then because he knew back then he could just by when i say back then i mean in his prime because he knew 2011 to 2016 he could just from the back of the court nobody was going to hang with him you know but I feel like now Medvedev can hang with him, so he's gonna try yeah. to come to the mm-hmm. net and and do those things. But it's just that who else do you see in the men's game right now that when they have a short ball and they can come forward, instead he kind of just hits it and retreats back. And so I feel like if he does that too often, he might, you know, he might that might be a tactic that Djokovic can use and exploit. But I just, you know, you feel like how long can Djokovic really play like that? You know. So it's like, yeah, because this is best of five. And then we say physical points favor Medvedev. But here's the thing is that if it goes five sets, so if they're locked in a five set match, you know, Medvedev is one in six and five set matches and Djokovic is is like 10. So it's like, 
so it's like i guess i guess it more depends on the individual rallies i guess when you're saying favorable like it's more like yeah. the long yeah. rallies favor him but you yeah. know how many long rallies are there in a match like you you look at match charting it's like you know most of the points are zero to four shots and i feel like both of them are doing really yeah. well in zero zero to four shots so the question is does medvedev mm-hmm. have that enough sustained offense to where he can win so many of those zero to four shots because against Sitsipas it was easy you know backhand error mm-hmm. return uh, yep. serve plus one boom uh, like and then with Djokovic the way he defends yeah the, the return quality is going to be gonna much be higher it's going to be night and day Djokovic. versus oh, yeah. Djokovic and Sitsipas on the return there's no comparison so it's like yeah so as much as Djokovic is going to struggle to hit through Medvedev how is Medvedev going to find enough offense so it's like yeah, yeah. we're going to see a lot of ma- the, great the, rallies yeah. There is one thing too that I find it's it's important to to consider. Like, I'm not I'm not saying that, for example, not that I'm saying, not that I think a mental game is not important. Uh, I think, but I think it's not going to be as important as say for for the Jim Brady Osaka match. Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like um, it's is Medvedev is a very experienced player at this point who can probably handle a little bit more of a um, pressure. But I feel like the, if there's one thing that um, we probably need to consider is. It's just how much Djokovic is willing to give in this match because I think it was uh, I don't even know where did I read I this, this, this quote on Twitter or something like that. Give it his all. Yeah, because I feel like Federer said uh, Federer said at like 2017 something yeah. like that. Like I don't care if I don't walk for six months, I'll, I'll give my all in this match. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is Djokovic, yes. and to be honest, if he gives his all, it's, it's very it's very possible he's not going to be able to walk for like six <laughs> yeah. weeks at least. Yeah. and I think he 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 might be ready to do this. Honestly, like I feel like. Um, as I was talking to 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 Owen before this, that um, um, it's possible that with the uh, the number one record in the bag already, um, very unlikely that Federer surpasses him again, yeah. or even get, gets to number one at oh yeah, at no, any that, given that, that and, record is sealed. And, like Federer's yeah. not yeah, and Nadal is yeah, too and far that, behind. That, yeah, Nadal is too far behind. He needs like at least two years and a bit to to become like in a row to yeah, surpass and, the and record. So it's, it's not it's not gonna happen. And so I feel like Djokovic is just probably going to switch his entire focus into the grand slams yeah, and really possibly the olympics yeah I, so i so that's 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 one of the things too i i think djokovic and that's probably one of the reasons why also he's was able to um um come through with the injuries and he was really really pumped against fritz at the end of that match mm-hmm. so i feel like this could be the his reason for for playing right now is Winning Grand Slams, yeah, so yeah. I feel like he's not just gonna let that. And go he doesn't away shy like away from that. Yeah, I mean, he, he says very clearly. He he knows he, that he's still yeah. behind. Oh, yeah, he absolutely. knows he's he's honest he about that. Yeah, he, he said he he said like if um if this were any tournament but a Grand Slam, I would have withdrawn. Yeah, and, and um and 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 you're right, Andre. He knows the stakes. He knows that if he loses this, Nadal probably widens the gap to four at Roland Garros, and so he is going to yeah. put everything he has into this match. And to what you said, Vont, about the first set at the ATP Cup, I think it's important to stress that Djokovic's top level is better than Medvedev's. If he is peaking, things will go his yeah. way. But I think it's also important to remember that while he usually does peak in these Australian Open finals, last year he wasn't able to maintain it he started out against team in in god mode basically Mm -hmm. but then he fell out of it Mm -hmm. team won the second set team won the third set and Djokovic had to win without playing his best tennis and i think that this year that will not be enough i think he needs to like he needs to use that pattern that he used at the atp cup hitting drop shots making medvedev hit these uncomfortable stab returns that was a pattern that worked really well for Djokovic. But he needs to have a couple stretches where he is just firing on all cylinders, because I think if he gets dragged into a match that's sort of in the vein of the second and third sets of that ATP Cup match, oh, I 
I, I don't like his chances if that happens. And he, and he needs mm. that strong start, you know? He needs to get off to... That, yeah. that first set is key for both players. Like, but... I, I actually think either one of them could come back from a set mm. down. That that might be yeah. a controversial opinion, but I feel like the first set this year is maybe less crucial than it would be in other years. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I might, I might agree with that, actually. Just because, yeah, yeah, yeah I, you know... I, I, think, I, I think both of them are going to be so motivated yeah. and so willing to th- put everything they have into it physically that yeah. that that like and yeah. if either one of them gets tired out and has a lapse, I think it's equally likely that one of them could could make a comeback. I, um, yeah. I, I will say though that if if um, if one of them is to drop to a love to, you oh, know, it, it's episode, over if that happens. Yeah, it's, and I, I actually think Medvedev has the be- the better chances of coming back than mm. if he were Djokovic. Mm. If Medvedev goes to a two-level lead, I think it's done. I, although if Djokovic gets to a two-level lead, I think it, there's still a possibility that Medvedev comes back like he did against Nadal and, and almost made it. He would not uh, want to repeat that. <laughs> I'm not saying that it is a high chance, but I feel like it's like if Djokovic has like a 5% chance, Medvedev has like an 8% chance or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I think a I could. percent chance, yeah. I, I think I, I agree could with see that. Medvedev. I think bottom line is I can see Medvedev coming back from two sides to love, but I cannot see Djokovic doing the same. Yeah. This year in particular. I, I, I do think the chances are small enough that like if we're going to see a long match, they have to split the first two sets. I think if either one yeah. of them goes down 0-2, um, it's it's pretty it's much least, over. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's four at most. Yeah. And, and like what, Nadal, Nadal at the US Open is a massive challenge, and Medvedev almost came back from two sets down there and a break. But it's Djokovic on Rod Laver Arena. I think if he's up yeah. two sets there, like he would... Uh, he would do something crazy before he, he would lose did a match from that position, the, even if Medvedev so, yeah. is in maybe sense? a bit better physical condition. Yeah. Did you guys get that sense that in the semifinal, Medvedev was just really enjoying it? Like, he was just he was just yeah. loving he, every minute he, of he it. He loves grinding I mean, grinding we know it's Tsitsipas, and we know the history. He likes crowds, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah did, he, he, he was loving it when he did the dance. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I think you guys saw his press conference after mm-hmm. beating Rublev. He was like, I made him cramp, and he was, like, smiling. He was visibly proud of himself. Like, he, he loves time out his opponents and in that sense and he is he has developed into someone that like Ru- people yeah. should be afraid of playing like rublev looked yeah. scared during that match because of how rublev much exertion was, he had to go through yeah it was downright sad to watch rublev like that yeah. it was it was you don't wish that to anybody he was drenched sweaty completely he just couldn't do anything he, every time that he would miss a shot he would just look at his camp like yeah what am i supposed to do yeah like, D- david law said like he was afraid for him and he felt sorry for him like i felt oh, sorry wow. for him and midway through the second set yeah How exactly like, is that? like medvedev described him as like a duracell battery like imagine out grinding a top 10 opponent in like an hour and a half like he was hmm. he was finished you should also physically. know he was cramping think, at the end as yeah. well but he didn't want to show it he, he mentioned yeah, he, didn't, he, he hit it well i mean inside out forehand winner on matt's point like he didn't want to show his yeah, opponent that, that he's uh, and, and yeah it's a lot of mental and the thing is he to, likes to play to, to he likes to back. play mind games yeah. like he doesn't shy away from he, it he, and does. he doesn't shy yeah. away from the aggro with the crowd as well he likes to get the crowd and he's like come on then let him have it and then he just yeah you know he just yeah. goes and he he's and that dance that celebration that he does i mean it's yeah it's just how can you not love it the way he just goads it all in you know it's like it's it, it, it's it's fantastic looking, yeah and um he's looking for it i yeah I, I i do think he is liable to being tired out but i also think <laughs> if he's cramping no matter who his opponent is they will also be cramping and probably before he does <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so i think we might see him exhausted but if that's yeah. the case Djokovic will be as and well i'm so so excited yeah. and, for uh, this match because of one I, reason and the yeah. other the other thing is that i just grew up watching so many Djokovic and murray matches that I just feel like this yeah. is such a shift yeah. from that. I know people are comparing it to Djokovic and Murray, and they're saying, oh, these are, you know, two physical, you know, 
there's going to be long physical grinding dueling rallies but you just feel like you know there's something about medvedev and this chess master abilities that you just feel like that baggage that murray had from all those losses and finals and the there's just how similar yeah. their games are like djokovic and medvedev their games are similar don't get me wrong but the thing the way in which they construct their points could not be more different so you, you get this contrast yeah. at the same time you get uh you, you know you get the sense that Djokovic isn't in his prime anymore yet he's still the guy to beat and Medvedev is peaking and it's they're 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 at this different point where it's just it makes for such good theater as well as drama and has combined with really high quality and uh so much at stake that it's just mm-hmm. this is this is something I'm just relishing this this yeah bring it on yeah I, I, th- I think um sorry if i could just add one last thing i think um i think we do see a lot of comparisons because they're both so good on the defensive but i think like you said font they are very different if you look at Djokovic, he's constantly trying to construct points get up to the baseline like move his opponent around and then hit into the open court and i think medvedev while he will attack a lot of the time he's also he will also say like okay like i'm going to give you this sledgehammer like you are free to hit me as hard as you can i will stay standing anyway until you fall down from exhaustion like and um and so i'm just really really looking forward to like the physical exertion that yeah, both I mean, players are going to have two to gumbies in the fighter like yeah contortionist yeah. level it's for sure yeah that, that, yeah that backhand pass that we saw from medvedev that's that's oh, that was that, Djokovic practically it, created that shot job. of the tournament i can't i can't believe how yeah i can't believe how how similar those two are mm. honestly like in, in that regard and uh now that we've got to talk so much about um their tactics and stuff like that and obviously owen is refusing to back down and <laughs> admit that Djokovic is going to win this match i will die on um, the hill yeah yeah <laughs> you either die you or let everybody, everybody know for the next so... one here if it happens yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I will i will never yeah. stop gloating about this it will be my <laughs> pinch tweet for until yeah <laughs> we'll be talking about like Something else that's completely not even unrelated to tennis. And be like, hey, remember when I was right about Medvedev winning the Australian Open? Yeah, exactly. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll make a mistake in some other aspect of life. And I'll be like, yeah, but I was right about the 2021 Australian Open final. This is going to live rent-free in Owen's brain, just like the Verdasco Nadal semifinal of 2009 oh, yes. Australian Open. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. What a match. What a match. So, <laughs> so starting again, uh, I, think, I think... Let's start with Owen, because... Uh, because man, come on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's your prediction for this match? Um, Medvedev in four tight sets. I think it could also go to five, oh. though. I think no matter what the result is, four or five sets. But I think most likely outcome Medvedev in four. Probably at least one tie break in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Vaughn? Oh. Man, the thing is, I just mentioned that five set record, and then now I have to. If Medvedev has to win, <laughs> then uh. <laughs> that makes it tough. But. Uh... Man, I just okay. I feel like they're gonna. We're not gonna see a sustained level of excellence that we might, that we some people are are expecting all the way through. So I just feel like mm-hmm. there's gonna be ups and downs. I think it's gonna go. I think it's gonna go five. And I think Medvedev will come through. I think it's gonna be Medvedev and Medvedev five? and five. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's my pick. Vonch, have I brought you around? Well, I, yeah. the thing is, I had to. I, I picked this in our midquarter uh, thing also because I also yeah. I, I uh, thought sure, of sure. the in- injury and was, just yeah. And I just thought like I have to stick with it now, you know. And there's always yeah. a first yeah. for everything, and you know. That's true. Yeah. Well, why not yeah. now? Yeah. 
this is the time. Yeah. So uh, I, uh, my my predictions, I'm definitely against the the flow here, but I'm still I'm still going with Djokovic. I think I picked him also. I, I have really bad um, short term memory, by the way, for mm-hmm. those things. So I don't even remember who I picked uh, in the in the podcast we recorded last week. Uh, but uh, I'm still going with Djokovic, and I think it's going to go five in his favor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mentioned that if Djokovic plays his absolute best, I think it's going to go four. Like, so yeah. that, I feel like four, it's only if Djokovic like, is, is really playing fantastic. And uh, Medvedev not finding answers, which is kind of hard to see mm-hmm. that happening. But um, I think it's my ultimate, um, my, my last uh, my last word is Djokovic in, in five. Isn't it, so that, isn't it just so ridiculous so how we can think that, like how, how much the big three have dominated that we think like a younger opponent, like a 25-year-old, like winning a physical, like my like physical match in a grand slam is like actually an upset now it's like yeah it, it seems crazy it seems like, like um <laughs> if, if he wins this he'll crack the top two as a non-big four player for the first time oh, in yeah. 16 that years is, this is going to be historical yeah and hysterical <laughs> you feel yes. like this should have happened like already two years ago and here we are like it's yeah it's just... this should, this should have happened what's... in like 2014 yeah. like and it's yeah. it's crazy too because I remember very this I remember clearly that like by the end of uh, ATP Finals last year we were actually discussing this actually feels a little bit different so maybe 2021 has something more is gonna is gonna be like more um, groundbreaking yeah, than the other years and I think if Medvedev does win here this is going to be it like I feel like it's going to be the beginning of the of the end the real yeah. beginning of the end for the the, the big 3 yeah. honestly yeah and and, so. and it will be like th- this will be the first time djokovic has lost an australian open final like the first mm-hmm. time it's the australian open has gone to a non big 3 player since 2014 um the first uh, like new entry into the top 2 in a decade and a half um Med- yeah. medvedev if he wins this could feasibly get to number 1 if he has a good clay season so like yeah crazy yeah and, and th- this this is Djokovic's stronghold so it's it, th- this is the showdown it's it's going to be so yeah. revealing which by the way Medvedev having a great season on clay remains to be seen oh yeah We're still winless be... at Roland Garros but it's and, possible let, let and it be I don't known. want people to say if Medvedev wins this I don't want people to, to 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 say oh the big three have declined that's why he won like I want them to I know like he gets his proper deal you know I mean he beat no, Rublev oh, yeah. he beat Tsitsipas the, oh yeah no what I'm, a, what I'm yeah what I'm saying is like he's overcome yeah. that's what yeah. I'm thinking and he didn't. He didn't because Djokovic himself. He just. He just said, "I'm not just going to oh, yeah, stand there sure. and let this and, happen." And love yeah, to see the, that. the gauntlet so he, has he been thrown. To have to overcome. And, and that's yeah. what isn't that so exciting about this generation of your Medvedevs and Tsitsipas, even if he, you know, he has some weaknesses right now or team or any of these guys. They don't have the baggage of like the Burdiches and the Songas and the Ferrers and yeah. uh, you know those guys like the. The, the predictable results that we kept seeing 2014-15 or like the Nishikori Raonic and at the same time you can't yeah. fault any of those guys because you're like they they played when the big three were in their absolute prime same with their oh, same yeah. with yeah. Murray it, but you just feel like these guys have that belief like they've watched yeah. these guys for so many years they they don't mm-hmm. fear them in any way you know they they go up they go yeah. up they, they're mm-hmm. believing and they're legitimately beating them in best of three set matches like you know three of the last four he's won and he's beaten Nadal like he like and team as well you can you know it's yeah. like this is this is the time now. It's kind of it's, it's kind of a it's kind of the Gen Zers dominating the internet and the memes. Yeah. yeah. And the millennials looking at them is like I'm not going to let this happen. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and like and, and these young guys are willing to suffer yes. too. Like Tsitsipas and Medvedev have. Uh, oh yeah. Tsitsipas came back again. Yeah. Exactly. He came back against Nadal from two sets down. Medvedev almost did it. Like they are willing to take the pain with potentially no reward. A commentator said that during the match. Like that's what a comeback is. You have to risk a ton 
ton of hurt and you might not get anything out of it and they are willing to do yeah. that and it is so refreshing to see that belief yeah oh yeah no it's it's really good it's really good to see a generation of players and both the women's and the men's tennis by the way because yeah. the women's tennis is, we, we cannot stop saying how unbelievable uh, unbelievably deep is the field for women's tennis right now it's just incredible by the time that we got to the quarterfinals it's just kind of like Every match is a final. A stat that I think shows that happening? depth that you're talking about in women's tennis. Both Jennifer Brady and Naomi Osaka have not played a top 10 player like this whole time. It's like... like oh and, 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 and it doesn't and, reflect... And, and no that, one is going to dare call their draws weak. Yeah. Like, they've been super no strong. Way. No because, way. like, if Serena Williams is number 11, and, <laughs> it's like, okay, that's yeah. messes and it up. I, one of the things that I want to say, just to, fi- just to, to finish off, and yeah. I'm not even going to go deep into this, is just how happy I am to see Sviantec taking a set off of Halep. Oh, that was Because great. that really shows that she's yeah. backing up her, her win yeah. and the at Roland Garros. She's there to stay and I really love that. Yeah. Because yeah. the worst thing is when a player wins a, a Grand Slam and then just kind of disappears the year after yeah. or the next and, couple and, tournaments. So. And she's so young. Like, she's going to go deeper yeah. than this on her, at her and court I, I majors. That afterwards, it, she, said, she said, I lost that match because I don't have options. And she's like, she like to actually admit that at 19 <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, mm-hmm. she like you said, backing up that result. And then no shame in losing to Halep six four in the third when she didn't even play her best. Absolutely, like yeah. that. That yeah. tells you everything. Like this. Yeah, and and yeah. and when she was on in the first, she was the better oh, player. Halep I didn't do. see how Halep yeah. was going to win that match unless Sviantek went off the boil, and she did yeah. go off the boil. But yes. it's it, it tells you everything you need to know. The level is there for sure. Yeah, so it's it's really exciting. Like, super excited for both uh, men's and women's final. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot even tell which match is going to be better than the other. Honestly, yeah. they're, they're both so incredible, like so set up for yeah. greatness. So that I don't even know. So yeah, thanks guys for for joining uh, in this almost um, impromptu um, podcast recording. Um, super excited! I cannot state that enough, uh, and I know you guys are too. And um, yeah, thank you guys all for 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 listening to this podcast and supporting us and um, just talking tennis with us. Um, on Twitter and um, yeah, have a great um, end of this Australian Open, which has been incredible, incredible, despite all the difficulties. And again, um, major props for the Australian Open organizational team who has managed to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and hope that we can still have like a, the rest of the season with uh, uh, no further problems related to uh, COVID. So yeah. See you guys later. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and also follow us on Twitter. <laughs> um, Owen is at Tennis Nation. Vansh is at VanshVTK. I am at Rollenberg Andre. And follow Tennis and Bagels at Tennis and Bagels, which is quite easy. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's chat. Have a good one. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.